morning, good afternoon, whatever it is. Good to see you. Excited that we could take a day tomorrow to remember those who gave their life for us. And glad that we can have time together as a family this weekend as well. Um, starting next week, remember, we go back to our 12.30 service, second service, so 10.30, 12.30. And I believe July 4th, um, we're going to, okay, July 4th, I think we're having one service as well. So, all right, so let's just pray. Lord, we thank you that you've given us this day to worship you, to worship and know you to be with you, to understand your ways. And Father, we pray that you'd help us today to walk in your ways, to know you better, and to receive all that you have, all your benefits. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, today we're going to talk about remembering the goodness of God as we have a memorial Weekend, we want to also remember more than more than anything else, the goodness of God. We're going to base this today on Psalm 103, the first several verses, and uh, we want to understand how God has told us many, many times to remember, to remember, to remember. It keeps on telling us that in the Book of Proverbs. Don't forget His word. Store your word in your heart. Store His word in your heart. Uh, even in the Old Testament, at times they would set up stones to remember things that God did in the journey from the wilderness to the promised land. So God wants us to remember, even in our life, it's good if we have a journal writing down things that God has done for us, answered prayers, um, miracles, healings, prophetic words that have come to pass. Um, it's important that we remember because Human nature easily forgets what God has done. But what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about three main benefits of God. Someone say three. three. And uh, there's so many that we could spend a lifetime recounting these benefits. And by benefits, what we're talking about in the context of this message, benefits are gifts, good gifts that God bestows upon his children. So that's what we're talking about today. And, uh, and so we're going to go to Psalm 103, Psalm 103. And the Psalm says this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all, not some, your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. And we're going to read a few more parts as we go on in this message. But I'm going to start from the beginning. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Wow, I love that. Bless the Lord. And so we see here that the psalm is about remembering the way God blesses us. 
it says that he has benefits that he gives us, as we'll read on. But he also wants something from us. It's not just about God blessing us, but this psalm actually starts off with us blessing him. Let's just take a minute right now. Let's bless the Lord. Come on, somebody. Bless him. God is blessed when we worship. God is blessed when we praise him. God is blessed when we minister to him. This is an offering. This is a sacrificial offering that God is pleased with. He loves this more than burnt offerings of animals, of any other gift that we could give him. He loves it when we bless him. Come on now, if they could erupt in praise in Madison Square Garden, if the Knicks actually win a game, how much more can we do this today, huh? And so it's not an accident that this is started off by saying, bless the Lord. In other words, we minister to God. And in the context of that, we understand his benefits. We become the recipients as we seek him. We become the recipients of his benefits. But he tells us how he wants us to bless him. It's not enough just to shout and dance and sing, but he says, I want you to bless me with all. Somebody say all. all. With all that is within me. See, Christianity is an inside-out religion, not an outside-in religion. It's a faith that emanates from our soul. And in the Bible, the soul represents our center point, the main issue of life, the heart. It, 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 it has to do with our mind, has to do with our emotions, has to do with all that makes us do what we do, our motivation, our subconscious, every part of us. And so... When somebody asked Jesus what the great commandment of the law was, he didn't hesitate. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind. He didn't say with part of it. He didn't say with 20%. He said with all your soul, with all your strength, right? And that's what he was referring to. And this is what the psalmist was referring to, going back to Deuteronomy 6. He said, bless the Lord, O my soul, in all Somebody say all. all. Say all that is within me. All you see, true worship is always in spirit. I was brought up a nice Roman Catholic boy. I lit my candles, said my confession. But it was an outside behavior that part of me didn't even understand what I was doing. When the bishop slapped me on the face... I thought he was mad at me. I didn't know I was supposed to get the Holy Ghost. And so I can't blame them. It's probably me, lack of paying attention. And so I went through the motions for many years in a Christian faith, in a Christian church, Roman Catholic Christian church. But I didn't know God. 
But even us in these kind of evangelical or whatever you want to call us, Christian, Pentecostal, charismatic, whatever you call us, we can just go through the motions as well. We can look at other people and say, oh, they, they don't know God. But when we take communion, are we really partaking of that body and blood by faith? Are we having common union with each other, loving each other, forgiving each other? Are we having common union with Christ? And so this is all part of it. So he says with all, not with some, not with part. So all that is within us is how we bless the Lord. And so we touch the heart of God. And the heart of God is the center point of God. God is spirit. Everything about God is heart. Everything about God is spirit. Everything about God is fully significant and meaningful to the nth degree, to the point that you can't even comprehend it. And so when we superficially come to God, it doesn't touch him because he's only genuine. He is only the real deal. He only hits the mark all the time. Not one word of God ever falls to the ground. His word never returns void. It always accomplishes something. His thoughts, his heart, his eyes, every part of him always is looking for reality, looking for the truth. Looking for, not that he's searching for truth, but looking for truth in us. And so it's only when all of our heart is reaching out to God that it actually touches God's heart. That's why David said in Psalm 42, deep calls unto deep. God's deepness calls unto our spirit man, the deepness of a human. That's the thing that causes us to yearn for him and long for him more than the deer pants for streams of water. And so the distracted heart cannot fully worship him. That's what Mark 4 is all about, where he talks about four kinds of people who hear the word. And only the last one heard the word and bore a lot of fruit because one of them, they were distracted with troubles and making money and desires for other things. Another one, because of persecution, because things didn't go their way, they fell away. Why? Because their heart wasn't fully in. They were partially uh, in, and any little thing can push them off the edge. And so when it comes to being a Christ follower, we have to be 100% focused. Can you imagine if you're playing baseball, some of you have played, I played up to high school, but um, some of you played organized hardball. Can you imagine you're getting up to bat and someone is throwing 90 miles an hour and all of a sudden you're thinking about walking your dog later on. <laughs> you can get killed. That ball comes at your head and you're not paying attention, right? Uh, or if they throw a curveball, you could fall right on your face, right? Uh, same thing with driving. Can you imagine? You're driving. You're going 90 miles an hour, and you get a text, and you, ah, let me check it. You could be dead. One second later, you're dead, or you kill somebody, right? It's because you're not supposed to allow yourself to be distracted. Christians are not supposed to be distracted. 
from the number one love of their life. Desires for other things, even good things, can choke the word of God. The devil doesn't come in a red suit and a pitchfork. He comes with good things. And he will distract you with good opportunities. Anything he can bring to you that will stop you from putting God first. So he says, bless the Lord, all that is within me. Then he says this, bless his holy name. Oh, I love that. Holy. That's the name behind the power that gives the benefits. His name represents who he is. His name represents his glory, which is a summary of all that God is. His name represents his power, his wisdom. Holy means set apart. There is no other name that can be named like the name of Jesus for us in this time. And so when he says, bless the Lord, all that is within me, O my soul, bless his holy name. He's saying that his name is so holy and set apart It is only worth all that is within you, not part of it. You could get into golf, but not all of you. You could get into something else, but not all of you. Only God deserves all of you. You're not to have any gods before him. And and so all of creation, all of the universe understands this truth. They understand that God's name is holy. They understand that there is no other name like that. They understand that there is no other name set apart like that name. And so uh, 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 when we understand this name, we realize that that is the name that could burst through the darkness. That is a name that could break sickness, that could destroy disease, that could overcome sin, that could bring everything else to its knees. That is the name above every name. That at the name of Jesus, let every knee bow, including devils and demons and principalities and powers and everything that can be named, every principality, but every prince, every president, every potentate, every king, every queen. There is no other name like his name. His name is set apart. His name is holy. His name is love. His name is inscrutable. His name is everything. And the universe responds to that name. Somebody say the universe responds to that name. When I cast demons out of people, I don't say, in the name of Joseph Matera, come out. He say, who are you? I don't say, in the name of Muhammad, come out. In the name of Buddha, come out. In the name of my ancestor, come out. They just laugh at you. The universe only recognizes one name, Jesus. That's it. And that's the name that we use, that we worship, that we bless, that we honor, that we fall prostrate before. And that's what he's talking about here. In the name of Jesus. 
every knee shall bow, meaning everything responds that has been created because the creator and the creation are not the same, because the creator is different and distinct and separate from creation, and creation knows who the creator is, and that's why creation always bows, always responds, always has to submit to the creator. And the name represents the Elohim Adonai, the creator, Yahweh, is his name. And so we're blessing his holy name because there's no other name. And so he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. You know, I heard this uh, commercial constantly. Thank God they don't have it on anymore. But it was a commercial about credit cards. And the commercial said something like this, membership has its rewards. Or its benefits, right? It's probably Capital One. I don't know. Uh, and so they're trying to get you to sign on to this credit card because of the rewards or the benefits that you have when you become a member. And uh, when you get a full-time job, a lot of times people get a job, let's say, with the city or some people even join the military because they give incredible benefits that'll help you get a house long term, go to school, other things. And you deserve that if you're going to serve this country. But they rightfully give benefits. Uh, when we turn 62 or older, there is Social Security benefits. Uh, I started getting AARP cards when I was 55. I'm thinking, my God, I'm already that old, huh? So. What the psalmist is saying here, bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits, is he's saying that those who are doing what he says, bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me, those that are living like this are now going to be the recipient of benefits. God blesses back even more than you could ever bless him. Whatever you give him, he gives back. 30, 60, 100 times more, pressed down, shaking together, running over. The more you bless the Lord, the more he's going to bless you. You don't do it because you want a blessing, but you do it because you love him and no other reason but because God is so good and God is so moved because he wants to fellowship with us that God just can't help himself. He just wants to stop blessing and bestowing things on you, right? And so... He's talking about several benefits here. We're going to talk about three. What are the benefits? He mentions three here. The first one, he says, who forgives all your iniquity. Oh, I love the fact that God forgives us of our sins. He didn't say he forgives some sins. Some of us are hiding from God because of certain sins we commit. Some of us think that we're, you know, we can't approach God with everything. We, we, we just come with part of ourselves. But the psalmist says he forgives all of our iniquities. The ugliest you could possibly be in private, God says, I will forgive you. I will take it away. I will heal. I will restore. And so he says he restores, he forgives all of our iniquity. I love that. 
And so it doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you've done recently. As a matter of fact, when you come to Christ, the old has been passed away. As far as the east is from the west, so the Lord separates us from our sins. Isn't that amazing? And so what we have to understand is that as sinners, which everybody is, everything is instantly taken away. Do you know that if you don't know Christ, you don't have to confess your sins? Can you imagine trying to remember all your sins from the year three? It's just not right to think that when I come to Christ, i got to confess my sins. No, he took all your sins on the cross. When you receive him, all your sins are just automatically gone, right? Uh, but after we're Christians, we confess sins as we know we've done them or committed them. But even then, the blood will never lose its power. He doesn't forgive you just for what you did. He forgives you for what you were doing, and he will forgive you for what you haven't done yet because the blood is greater than any human sin, than any atrocity, than any blasphemy, than any horrendous thing that you could possibly think about. The only unforgivable sin is when we don't receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior before we pass on to the next world. He forgives everything. And so that's a benefit. How many say, well, that's a great benefit. He forgives my sins. Woo, I love that. Man, and, and the more of a perfectionist you are, the more it is to wrap your brain around that. The more self-righteous you are, the more you have a hard time believing, A, that you might even be a sinner, or B, if you do sin, can he forgive me? Sometimes we're harder in ourselves than God is. Some of you are running from God. Some of you are getting condemned, and you think it's the voice of God, but it's the voice of the devil because there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Conviction draws you to God. Condemnation makes you run from him. Conviction makes you come into the holy place under the shelter and shadow of the wings of those cherubim, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. But condemnation says, I blew it. And you might say, well, that's humility. No, it's pride. When you're too ashamed to come to God, it's literally a form of pride because you think that you could do something that's greater than what God accomplished. The blood is stronger than anything you could ever do against God. Because God's power and desire to restore you, God's love that is for you, is greater than any sin which is against you. Whatever you think you've done to subtract, God has added and multiplied back to you. There is nothing that you can ever possibly do that can separate you from the love of the Father. That's why it tells us neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons, nor things past, present, or future, things in all creation shall be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. That's worth an amen somewhere. So he forgives our iniquity. 
Wow. The psalmist in previous Psalm, Psalm 32, he says, Blessed is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord counts no iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. But this is what he said happened when he didn't confess his sin, maybe because of self-righteousness, maybe because of shame, maybe because of condemnation. Maybe this is reading your mail today. I hope it is. He said, for when I kept silent, meaning when I didn't confess my sin, my bones wasted away. It actually affects you physically, mentally, emotionally. Through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer, Selah. I acknowledge my sin to you, and I did not cover my iniquity. And I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. Wow. And so he's talking here about what happens when we don't come to God, when we don't believe that he will forgive us, when we don't take advantage of that benefit. And it literally affects us where it's so heavy, we're so weighed down. We're walking around with such a weight, it probably turns into a depression. And God allows that to happen until we finally give in. Later on in this psalm, Psalm 103, in a positive note, he says this, he does not deal with us according to our sins. Someone say, thank God for that. Not only does he forgive us, but he doesn't deal with us according to our sins nor repay us according to our iniquities. Why? He answers the question. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, look up for a minute, as high as the heavens are above the earth, and of course our eyes can't get past this ceiling, but even with the greatest Hubble uh, microscope that the world has ever made, you still couldn't see to the end of the universe, Right? He says, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love towards those who fear him. Oh, Lord, help us. It gets better. It gets better. How many's ever used a compass? You know the difference between the east, west, north, and south, right? Ted is the only one who doesn't get lost in the wilderness. If Armageddon ever hits, I'm going to be with Ted with his bow and arrow. I, he'll know by looking at the stars where we are, even what country we're in. I get lost even with GPS. But it says here, as far as the east is from the west. Wow. It doesn't make sense, right? But this is the answer. So far, does he remove our sins from us? Oh. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. What a benefit. That's the first benefit. And the reason why that's the first one is because once your sins are forgiven, then it opens up every other benefit. It's just the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning of this incredible relationship. So this psalm is just dealing with three basic benefits. Here's the second benefit he mentions. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not any of his benefits. Who forgives our sins. And the second one, 
who healed our diseases. Woo! He says, heals all. Somebody say all. Doesn't matter how bad your cancer is, God says he heals all your disease. Doesn't matter how bad the diabetes, he heals all. Doesn't matter how bad your vertigo is, he heals. No matter how bad your anxiety is, he heals. When I first got saved, I used to pray, God, if it be your will, heal. And nobody ever got healed. Until I started looking at these kind of passages, which we're going to study. And I went from wondering whether it's God's will to being convinced it is God's will. And then understanding that on the cross, Jesus, as a Hebrew, never separated spirit, soul, and body. The Jews looked at everything as one whole Composite whole. The Jews never said, your sins are forgiven, but your body could go to hell. The sin being forgiven was also a mark of God wanting to heal the physical body. That's the word salvation means in the original Hebrew, shalom, and uh, Greek, sozo, uh, salvation, life. All of this has to do with a physical a spiritual and emotional benefit, spirit, soul, and body being restored, complete. And so he heals all, I love that, all your diseases. I wonder what the people who don't believe in divine healing say about that. I don't know. And so, interesting story in Mark chapter 3. You can look at it, verse 1 to 5. And there was a guy in the synagogue who had a shriveled hand. And the Jews, the religious leaders, were looking at Jesus to see if he would have the nerve to heal this guy on the Sabbath. And of course, you know what Jesus did. He loved ruffling feathers. And he turned around, he looked at them with anger. There's only a few times in the Bible God exhibited his anger through Christ. And one is through Phariseeism, legalism. And another is when they didn't want someone to get healed because it was the Sabbath. And he looked at them in anger and he said, come on, guys, tell me the truth here. Is it right on the Sabbath to do good or to do evil? To save life or destroy it? And he looked at them, they didn't answer him. And then he said to the guy with the shriveled hand, he said, stretch forth your hand. He stretched it out. His hand was totally well. But notice how Jesus classified healing. He classified as doing good, meaning if he didn't do it and had the power to do it and was willfully wanting to do it but didn't do it, it was considered evil in his eyes. God has the power, God is able, and God is willing. That's what he said. So he classified it as doing good. How many know that God is a good God? Because he's a good God, he heals. And he actually said to destroy life or to... Uh, restore life. He looked at that guy with a shriveled hand and said, man, if this guy doesn't get better, he can't work, he can't take care of his family. It's like destroying his life. 
It's limiting his abilities. And so when we look at the gospel, even the basic understanding of the gospel, in Romans 1, verse 16, he says that, Paul says that the gospel is the power, somebody say the power, he says the power of God unto those who believe. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but because in it is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. And that word salvation, if you even look at it in a Baptist Bible like Schofield, Romans 1.16, they don't believe in healing the way we do. They don't believe in the gifts of the Spirit. But you could even look in their own Bible, and they have to be honest and say that the word salvation implies not only forgiveness of sins, but deliverance from enemies and physical healing. You can't get away from the meaning of it. And so he heals all, not some. The gospel is the power of God. It's the good news personified. It's all of the benefits of God brought into fulfillment through the life and death and burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if the psalmist was able to say about 1,200 years before Jesus came that God heals all of our benefits, uh, heals all of our diseases, if he was able to say in Exodus chapter 23 that God blesses our bread and water and takes away our diseases, if he was able to say that if you look at the brazen serpent in Numbers 21 and everybody who looks at that serpent will be healed from the venom of the snake bite. How much more after Jesus came? How much more after Jesus fulfilled all the types and shadows of the Old Testament narrative? How much more shall we have the benefit of healing in this dispensation? If you're sick today, don't worry about me. You come up and I'm going to pray for you. We're going to believe God today. Let this be a day that will be memorialized. A day that will you, you will remember for eternity. A day when your life is changed. A, a transformational time. Let it be a day when you once and for all, are baptized and sealed with the understanding that God loves you, that God cares for you, that God is real, that God has benefits, that God will resurrect your life and restore your dreams, take away fear and depression, and bring your life back to normalcy. It's funny when you look at the King James Version or New King James, oftentimes in the Gospels, when Jesus healed somebody, the translator used the word save, same word used for salvation from sin. For example, Mark 10, 20, uh, 52, he told the two blind men, your faith has saved you. The translators, NIV, ESV, they're all good translations. They'll say, make you well. But really, the original Greek, if you look at the interlinear, saved you. Same Greek word. James chapter 5, verse 14 and 15. 
He says, if anyone is sick among you, let him call for the elders of the church who will pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will save the sick. Healing is not a promise, it is an established fact. Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, said, Because he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought him peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. 1 Peter 2, 24, looking back at the cross, he didn't say by his wounds we are healed. He said by his wounds we were healed. Past tense. Psalm 107, verse 17 to 21. I'm just going to read the verse 21. They cried out to the Lord in all their trouble, and he delivered them from all their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from all their destruction. Let us give thanks to the Lord for his steadfast love. The last benefit he mentions he redeems your life from the pit. What good is it if you get healed but wind up going to a Christless eternity? The pit in the Word of God, like in Psalm 41, sometimes refers to depression. He took me out of the miry clay, put my feet on a rock to stay. He put a new song in my heart, a song of praise unto our God. That's talking about his mental state. But because he uses the word redeem, redeem is usually used in context of atonement or the ultimate sacrifice of Christ eventually. And so he says he redeems our life, our suke, our soul from the pit. And so redeemed in this particular instance refers to, in my opinion, Eternal salvation. And that's why the first benefit mentioned is forgiveness of sins. And after that, you have a right for healing, physical healing. And then you have a right to enjoy God throughout eternity. He redeems your life from the pit. It's not just here. I mean, the joy that I have in Christ is so great that even if there was no such thing as heaven, I'd still serve him. Still a lot better than what I had before. But here's the good thing. Good thing is heaven is real. And so when he says he redeems my life in the pit, it means that I will never die. You will never die, even though your body is decaying. One day that body will rise up. Absent from the body, your soul is with God forever. And so he redeems your life in the pit, meaning that this glorious Jesus that we're experiencing, like we experience today in worship. Can you imagine how incredible, how much more powerful and profound it will be in eternity? If we thought it was great today, can you imagine in eternity... Our life is redeemed from the pit, meaning that we're going to exist consciously in the presence of God, enjoying all of his benefits, all of his goodness, and exploring God 
for eternity. These are only three primary foundational benefits that are relevant for us on this earth. But can you imagine what God is going to reveal to us in eternity? The benefits, the knowledge of the glory of God. Wow. For the eye has not seen, nor has it come into the ear, has the ear heard, nor has it come or entered into the heart the things that God has prepared for those who love him. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, now is the time to receive him. Today is your day. It's the day of salvation. And so before we pray for anybody, I want to give you the opportunity, whether you're watching on social media, whether you're in this room here today, I want to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Name, which is above all names. I want you to receive Christ. And so if you want to receive Christ today, let's just bow down. but bow, close our eyes, bow our head for a minute. And just, the Bible says, if you believe Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, died for your sins and rose, and you call upon the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. So in that spirit, let's pray. Say, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I'm a sinner. Save me, Jesus. You died for me. You rose from the dead. You're alive. You're here now. Come in my life. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to walk in your goodness. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, please get in touch with us. If you're in the room, actually talk to one of the leaders and we'll help you understand what to do next. Let's all stand up. If anybody wants prayer for restoration, for healing, for whatever, I want you to come up here right now. Any of the leaders that are here, just come up with us. This is the day the Lord has made. This is the day that God has called us to be restored. This is the day for divine healing and health. If there's any uh, leader here that you see sooner came up, just start praying. And I'm going to pray a general prayer right now. Let's stretch forth our hands towards those who have come up. Everybody, let's begin to pray for them in our own way. Father, right now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the Father, we just come against every sickness and infirmity. We break every power of sickness. We thank you that it is by the wounds of Jesus we were healed. And Father, we thank you for healing. We thank you for health. We thank you for restoration. Pray that you would restore that which the canker worm has eaten, that you'd restore what the devil has tried to do. 
in this life. In Jesus' name, bring them back, bring them back, bring them back. That there be no condemnation, that there be no subjugation to the devil, that he would have no condemnation but conviction. Father, thank you that you will bring him fully into the very presence of God. Father, thank you for total healing, for total health. We break fear, we break doubt, we break discouragement. In the name of Jesus, total healing. We break disease, we break sickness. Let the power of God go through this young man. From the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. Let's all raise our hands while they're being prayed for. Father, we just release the spirit of faith. Uh, begin to pray right now for your loved ones. Begin to pray right now that bondage should be broken over your children or over your spouse or over your loved ones or over your friends. Right now, whatever, whoever the Lord is laying on your heart, Father, we bring them before you. We believe in you for total healing. Father, we believe you for total salvation for our family members. We believe in you to move by the power of your spirit. We rebuke fear from this church. We rebuke unbelief. We rebuke fear of finances. We rebuke fear of, 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 of uh, death, fear of the unknown. Right now we're believing for a spirit of faith to be released upon every person for our families, for generational healing, generational curses are broken, generational patterns, generational habit patterns are broken in the name of Jesus. Right now we release faith. We release faith over every person. Now, wherever you are, just keep your hands raised and thank the Lord for bringing healing, for bringing salvation, for bringing his promises to pass, for bringing his benefits to pass. Let's worship the Lord.